Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn and have this muted. You should be listening to it, Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you got me. Now look at that doctor, homie. Fuck that. Black D. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Oh, shit. I said, motherfucker, you motherfucker. I said, it's cold outside. About one and a half billion dollars is what most people are focusing on tonight. Um, I feel like a couple of the NFL teams might have just about hit the lottery this past weekend as far as the playoffs go. I got uh, Christian on the line to talk about some football with me tonight because, uh, you know, full swing in the playoffs. What's going on, Christian? J-Cat Morris. What's up, man? How you been? Doing all right, man. Yeah, you staying out of trouble? Yeah, man. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> you ain't got to lie, man. I mean, I'm raising as much hell as you are. <laughs> yeah, so, um, man, playoffs are in full swing. You know, we got all sorts of stuff going on in the NFL, you know, coaches right. flying all over the place. And, um, I mean, the playoffs have been a pretty crazy first weekend wild card games. Two teams, like I said, just about hit the lottery. And, uh, you know, got a chance to, to go to the second round. But, um, you know, starting off with the Chiefs game, now, the Chiefs went out there and they just they handled business, man. And I know Brian Hoyer, he had a horrible game. and He, he looked like garbage out there. But the Chiefs just played a well-managed game. Alex threw a pick. But other than that, 
they they just ran a system out there and just just took apart the the Texans. They really did. And and the one thing I took away from that game was they won in all three phases of the game, J-Cat. Dominated on offense, smacked them in the mouth on defense, and they handled their business on special teams as well. I mean, to open up a playoff game, silencing the crowd with a kickoff return, just absolutely remarkable. Kansas City, they're the hottest team in the playoffs right now. This is one team that you really don't want to see. You know, right now, they're just doing everything right, and they're not a flashy team. You know, they don't run any Wildcat. They don't run any sweeps or reverses. They just play downhill, physical, old-school, hard-nosed football. Yeah, and that was the thing that, you know, I, I, you know, got into quite a few Niner fans back then. And, you know, I I like Cap a lot now, and he grew on me and everything. But at the time, when they they made that decision of Cap over Alex Smith, I was furious. Um, He spent so many years developing and, and really not being a great quarterback for us. But once he finally came into his own, Alex was a guy who just managed the game. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He didn't lose games for you. And as long as the rest of your team stays structured, he was he was the guy that was not going to blow it for you. And like you just said, I'm just going to kind of like elaborate and segue off of what you just said. You know, he's taking care of the ball. And I think Jamal Charles going down and not being there has really opened the playbook for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. It's been a collective effort to replace this guy. Travis Kelsey is a top-five tight end. He can go over the middle. He can space the field. He just opens everything up for everybody else around the field because he demands so much attention. Jeremy Macklin's been good. I know he's injured right now. Hopefully he can play because he's had a real good season for Kansas City playing under his former head coach, Andy Reid. But it starts with Alex Smith. This team goes as far as he takes them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and, and I mean, the Texans is, you know, the two teams that really didn't belong in the playoffs due to, you know, the weak division overall, I mean, they proved themselves there. And the Texans were one of those teams. I just think it was, you know, by uh, by default, they more or less got into the playoffs. They didn't have enough on offense. I think if Arian Foster had been healthy, they would have scored at least two touchdowns, maybe three at the most. DeAndre Hopkins, they need another wide receiver to compliment him. Maybe Jalen Strong is that guy, and he just has to develop coming into this upcoming season. But, you know, they struggled with Brian Hoyer. There was just so much pressure on this defense, and J.J. Watt wasn't 100% healthy. You could tell. Right. I mean, the Texans are a team who went to the playoffs, got shut out first round, and they're going to be looking for a quarterback going into next year. So, uh, you know, if that's not a clear sign of not being ready for the playoffs, I don't know what is. Right. Um, So then, you know, both days we got, you know, crazy, um, you know, upset. And um, the Steelers-Bengals game, I mean, this this thing was – this was a wild, wild game. And – it really was built to be a Bengals comeback that, that should have happened. It was, it was completely built that way. Uh, the Bengals had it wrapped up coming down the stretch. All they had to do was run the ball a couple of times without putting it on the ground. And they put it on the ground, you know, <laughs> following that the Steelers marched right down the field with Ben, who I don't know what they pumped him up with to get him back out on the field, but the guy gets carted off and then finishes the game. I, you know, I don't know how that happened. They cart him back onto the field. Um, and then the Bengals just completely lost their damn minds coming down the field. That You know, hey, you, know, you want you want a free 30 yards? Will that help you win the game at all? You know, 
it was just despicable the way that they closed out that game. And um, I don't know, man. That 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 was something that should have been easily won by the Bengals. They had everything set, you know, in their in their favor. Yeah, they did. And you know, looking at this game now, JK and I saw it all three times when they played in Pittsburgh and then the two times in Cincinnati. This rivalry may be a little bit more intense than the Steelers and Ravens. And you and I, look, we both love the game, and we've seen a lot Mm -hmm. of football, and we've talked about the Steelers and Ravens rivalry for the last couple years. But now that's kind of lost its luster. Now I think it's the Steelers and Bengals that's a rivalry. These two teams don't like each other. You saw coaches getting into it with players on Saturday night. And the Steelers, you know, I got to give credit to the Bengals' defense. They kept the prolific Steelers' offense out the end zone throughout the first half, and then the Steelers just got hot and found a way to score in the second half. Martavis Bryant probably made the best catch I've seen all year, hands down. Um, and then, you know, I got to give A.J. McCarron a lot of credit. The, the kid really mustered up. He, I mean, he stood tall, held his ground, and he played his own game. And he put them in a perfect position to win. You can't blame A.J. McCarron for that loss. No. Blame Vontez Burfitt for intercepting the ball, thinking the game is over and running into the tunnel. I just thought that was absolutely stupid. And then the two penalties. My thing is you can't get bothered by what a a coach says or what a coach does. He's on the sideline for a reason. The Bengals deserve to lose this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those those penalties down the stretch were just disgusting. And, um, you know, hey, man – I feel like, you know, and I could just be, you know, this could just be a random thought, but, I mean, this guy, uh, Vontae's perfect, and then you got your Nadamakin suit. Do you think it has anything to do with the parents naming these guys like they're mountains? Who knows, man? I mean, look, Vontae's is one of the – I've raved about this guy for years. He's a physical linebacker, a guy that can hold down the middle – Probably that spark plug to the defense. He can, you know, go from sideline to sideline, tackle in the open field. But, God, he's had issues with low hits. I mean, he put a dirty hit on Cam Newton last year, supposedly. Like, he was aiming at his ankles on purpose, and you can't do that. I played, and we were always taught to hit hard, but never with the intent to hurt somebody. Right. Yeah, I mean, this guy's really, uh, you know, going over the top. And, and, you know, they had the first 15-yard penalty, and that was, um, you know, just a a terrible hit on his side. And then followed up by Pac-Man, you know, pushing a a ref or a coach or whatever he put his hands on. And, you know, that that just clinched it. I mean, they had a – they were given a field goal chance by perfect hit and then just followed it up like, hey, if that's not easy enough for you, we're going to bring it even closer. I, I don't know, man. They just completely melted down. Yeah, they really did. Just a disappointing way to end the game. You can't really worry about what a coach says. And Joey Porter's a hothead. He was when he played, and he still is. You can still tell that he is. Yeah, I mean, uh, but what do you make of, you know, them trying to blame it on, um, you know, Porter being on the field or anything like that. No, I don't. I don't even think it was that simple. Marvin Lewis doesn't have control of his football team because you know if that's a guy like a Andy Reid or a Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, uh, any of these other great coaches in a league, that would have been handled already. It, it just seemed like he was a little too conservative in that situation. Yo, your season is on the line. 
You know, and your players are acting stupid. Get some control of your football yeah. team. He has no control. You always hear me talk about a lack of discipline. It, was, it couldn't have been any more visible than that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I mean, you know, the fans caught a lot of heat, too, for the way that they were acting. But on a certain level, I don't think that they should have acted that way. But it should be somewhat to be expected. I mean, you, you get a team who was undefeated for the majority of the season, and now they're getting going into the fourth quarter. They're being shut out in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, it, you know, that's that's a quick way to turn the fans pretty disgruntled. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree anymore. You got to be classy in those situations, and they definitely weren't. I mean, I know Ben Roethlisberger hasn't necessarily been, you know, the the best guy off the field considering the the rape allegations. And look, <laughs> yeah. J.K., I know you're a dad to three girls, and you know, I have a goddaughter, and I'm an older brother to a 17-year-old sister, so we obviously have a tremendous amount of respect for women. I don't know if he sure. did, you know, but he's still a person. You know, you can't do that to somebody. You know, that's somebody's son. That's somebody's grandson. That's somebody's dad that, that you're potentially harming. Sure. Yeah, you know, I understand. And, you know, in the same token, you know, the team down so much. I'm not saying they should have acted like that, but if there was one chance in that game of the Bengals making a comeback, Ben going off the field was one of those chances. And, you know, not the right way to go about it, you know, not an honorable way to look at it, but in the same token, kind of to be expected. Exactly. You know. Um, So then you go into Sunday and you got another, you know, just lottery winner. The Seahawks beat the Vikings. I mean, that game was cold, freezing, freezing cold. Um, I got all riled up in the beginning because I hate the Seahawks, so I want them to play. Oh, we know. (laughs) (laughs) I want them, if they could, you know, have an away game in the depths of hell, that's just fine. They could play there. So when when there were, like, you know, record-setting temperatures and, you know, Minnesota, it's outside, and, you know, uh, they haven't played like this in 30, 40 years, and, um, the last time they played like that, the uh, the turf they described as as like painted concrete, and I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. This is awesome. And then before the game, they're like, oh, we got these tubes running under the field that's going to heat the field so it doesn't freeze. I'm like, bullshit, <laughs> you know, get, right. freeze that field. You know, I mean, the temperature was no joke. I mean, there there was no warming, you know. The, the atmosphere, but um, yeah, I, I mean that that was a rough game, and they really had a hard time getting anything going. Um, both teams really, and um, just came down to that field goal. They absolutely had it won, and uh, you know, short field goal, he misses a field goal, and uh, the, the Seahawks go on. Yeah, and you know, you look at Seattle and what they've been able to do. They've been able to stretch the field, and they've put the game in the hands of Russell Wilson. He's not just showing you he's a mobile quarterback. He's showing you he can throw it from the pocket as well. And they weren't really able to take those shots down the field. Plain and simple, he and Doug Baldwin weren't really on the same page, minus that touchdown. Luke Wilson didn't play, which I think hurt their chances on third down. It's so important to convert on third downs. Defensively, they handled their business in Minnesota. Adrian Peterson doesn't fumble that ball. That's another thing you got to factor into consideration. Minnesota's playing in Arizona on Sunday. On Saturday. Mm-hmm. What's that? Minnesota's moving on to the second round. When you think about it, if Adrian Peterson holds right. on to that ball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, coming after the field goal, the guy's getting tons of heat and everything. And, you know, understandably so, because it was a botched kick. But, um, I mean, realistically, he's the only guy that scored points for the Vikings all day long. So, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, heat you want to give him. Because, I mean, they would have been down, you know, more than they were if he wasn't nailing field goals, you know, the first three times. So, I, I don't know. Obviously, you, you lose the game, you're going to get the, the, the heat. But he was the only guy putting points on the board all day. Definitely, and just a hard-fought game. That, those are actually my favorite types of games, J-Cat, where it's cold, it's physical, you got to run the football, and you got to play good defense. Yeah. Now, what's your take on this? Because I, I think it's completely inexcusable, and um, I, I just don't think it should be, you know, looked at something that, that that's an acceptable thing to do. Marshawn Lynch, the week before the game, they're talking about he might be playing on Sunday. He might be playing on Sunday. They turn out, okay, now he's not going to play on Sunday. He doesn't travel with the team for a playoff game. I, I mean, I don't – during the season, if you're doing some kind of rehab, you're injured and this and that, you don't travel with the team. Understandable. You're in the playoffs. You couldn't You couldn't park up. You couldn't get some, you know, double-fat goose and sit on the sidelines and watch your team in the playoffs. I, I just – Personally, I think that's that's completely wrong. I agree with you. You still got to be there with your team to support them because that just goes to show you that you're the quintessential teammate, and he wasn't on Sunday. To me, sometimes I just get that vibe that he's just kind of chilling. He doesn't want to come back at all. No. And they're, they're again saying that he's a possibility to play this Sunday. Uh, again, I mean, if he's a possibility to play this Sunday, he couldn't do so much as show up last Sunday. I mean, you know, what kind of injury are we talking about that you're not able to sit? You know, I mean, you're sitting on your couch most likely. And, um, you know, I shared a meme that you know, shows him on the couch and says, I'm just, I'm just here so I don't get cold. Oh, <laughs> you know, J.K., I was on the floor. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> But um, I, I don't know. I just think if you're you're a teammate and you were at one point or another, that team ran through Marshawn Lynch, and this is a guy who, who's just not going to travel with the team who was a probable to play earlier in the week. I, I just don't think there's an excuse for that. No, there's not. I was disappointed in him. Honestly, I don't think he's going to be back next year. I just think no. you know, they found their guy in Thomas Rawls moving forward. Yeah, because, I mean, even with him on the field when he was, you know, quote-unquote healthy earlier in the season, he wasn't producing. I know I had him on my fantasy team, and he was not doing well. They did um, a million times better at running back the day Rawls went in the game. Right. I agree. So, so you know, what can you do? Uh, you know, Seahawks kind of lucked out, and they go forward. But, um, you know, it is what it is, a 10-9 playoff game and freezing cold. Um but um, then, then you go on to the last game was the Packers, again, beating a team that, that really probably didn't belong in the playoffs. Um, they showed out to be the class of the NFC East, but what is that worth? I mean, you know, three out of four teams were eligible for the playoffs like two weeks before the season ended. I mean, it's, you know, you kind of drawn straws at that point. And the Redskins showed up there, and they really couldn't hang with the Packers. No, they couldn't, but I got to give the Redskins some credit because 
they came out energetic in that first quarter, getting that safety. The game really seemed to be in their control, and it just seemed like the same issues were brewing with the Green Bay Packers once again. Wide receivers not getting on the same page as Aaron Rodgers, not getting past that man-to-man coverage. Offensive line was failing to protect Aaron Rodgers, and defensively, they gave up a lot of big plays down the field. But Green Bay made a lot of key adjustments in the second half, in the second quarter and further on down the road in that game to get the victory. Offensive line got better. They got Randall Cobb going, which I thought has been the key all year long. You get him going, then this offense is going to move down the field pretty efficiently. And they're running the ball as well with James Starks and Eddie Lacy. Their defense, their defense got constant amounts of pressure on Kirk Cousins, really couldn't do anything with Jordan Reed, but the Green Bay Packers just established the tempo in their favor. This is probably the most complete I've seen them look all season long. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll give the Redskins credit for being the team that, I mean, everybody had a pick of the NFC East to who was going to be the guys. There was the Cowboys, there was the Giants, there was the Eagles. More, more so than not, you heard people talking about the Eagles being something or the Cowboys being something. None of those things were true. The one team that everyone counted out because, you know, there was turmoil of the RG3 coming off the field and everything else was the Redskins. The Redskins was the one team that nobody said would win the NFC. So I'll give them credit for doing that. But I, I just think that they were exposed as being a team who still didn't belong in the playoffs. The Packers, I don't believe in the Packers either, but I think when it came to, you know, who is even qualified as a possible playoff team, I think the Packers showed that they were. Yeah, definitely. And I just think their experience proved a little too much for for the Washington Redskins. Aaron Rodgers stepped up. That's probably the happiest I've seen Aaron Rodgers look <laughs> all season long. He looked like he just got something from Olivia Munn, the way he was smiling <laughs> on the field, J.K. So, yeah, now going into the um, next week's, you know, this this weekend's playoff games, you got okay. I think I think pretty much your AFC championship game is the Chiefs versus the Patriots. I, I don't know, you know, out of those other two teams if it, either one is touching who comes out of this game. Uh the Chiefs and the Patriots. What do you see with that game? Well, when I look at Kansas City, they're just playing with a lot of confidence right now and they have the the game plan to really beat up New England. New England does, is a team that doesn't really handle physicality. Well, look at how they've struggled with the Baltimore Ravens over the last couple of years. I think we're going to see that type of game. But when I look at the Patriots, J-Cat, nobody's really afraid to play them. And I say that because their offensive line has just been horrible. Pass uh, protection has been abysmal. Secondary is struggling outside of Malcolm Butler. Their defense has been the strength, but there's still some holes and Brady just looks frustrated when he gets back in that pocket. Now, moving forward, this is when I think the Deion Lewis injury is really going to hurt the New England Patriots because he was Brady's third option behind Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman down the field. So when those two were locked down, he was Tom Brady's security blanket. Tom could just throw him the ball coming out the backfield. He could run the ball in between the tackles. He could bounce outside. He was always that guy that the Patriots turned to on third down to make a play to move the chains. And now he's gone. He tore his ACL during the season. And now when I look at it, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm coming out in straight man-to-man coverage across the board, and I'm getting a one-on-one matchup with the backup running back, James White, because he can't block to save his life. He couldn't block a girl on social media if that were the case. I think Kansas City's going to play them tough, 
But I think New England prevails. I think the Brady factor is going to come in in the fourth quarter. Yeah. The the New England Patriots are always scary. They ended the season not looking good, taking a couple losses. And, uh, you know, I, you just you can never just base things on that and say, oh, the Patriots aren't on. I mean, they show up in the playoffs ready for war. Uh, you know, that, that Belichick and, and Brady combination, they're just – they're just a team you can never count out. There was a point in last season, it was about, you know, in towards the beginning of the season, and there was a lot of talk of, like, is this it for Brady? And, and, and are the Patriots done? Or, you know, is the Patriot era over? And they turned the season around and won the Super Bowl. So Yeah, they did. And you know just, what? It's funny. You brought that point up, and look at who they were playing when all those questions came out. They played these Kansas City Chiefs. So I think they're going to go in with added motivation. Knowing how the Patriots operate, they're not going to say much about that game. They're just focused on the task ahead. They're on the Kansas City, as Bill Belichick would say. But Kansas City, man, they what they have to do, I think my keys to the game for Kansas City, they just have to run the ball in their favor, run the ball, keep Brady on the sideline, and attack that offensive line. Plain and simple, attack that offensive line, pressure Tom Brady up the middle, and force him to go outside the pocket because he's a different guy and then if I'm the Wingland you got to get on the same page with these wide receivers right away because that pass rush is coming they are not going to slow down they're only going to amp it up yeah yeah it should be a really exciting game I'm looking forward yeah I'm looking forward to it Kansas City's going to punch them in the mouth but I think the Wingland's going to prevail but here's the thing the Wingland is in trouble because they really wanted that number one seed it's tough to come to Gillette and get a playoff uh, and get a win so they're either going to have to go on the road to Denver or they're going to have Pittsburgh at home and either one of those teams I think could beat the New England Patriots if you ask me I just think Denver has the defense now to hit pressure Brady they could try their hardest to stop Gronk in the red zone have a good secondary to keep up with Edelman and Amendola and they can stop the run Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so then you got your next game on Saturday. You got the Packers and the Cardinals. And um, like I said before, I don't really believe in the Packers. Um, I, you know, I think a stronger team in the first half would have, would have, you know, possibly even taken them out on the wild card game. But um, I think the Cardinals are, are good enough. Um, it really kind of depends on which Cardinals show up. Uh, they ended the season getting absolutely trounced by uh, Seattle. And I don't know if that's because they didn't have a lot to play for, but, I mean, it really showed a lot of vulnerability. They they looked helpless. Um, if the Cardinals snap into focus and play like they're used to playing this season, I, I think they beat the Packers pretty easily. I look at this matchup. Arizona is the most complete team in football. I look at their offense. Bruce Arians, he's an offensive-minded guy. He wants he's a classic a classic coach. He wants the quarterbacks to throw the football from the pocket. Uh they push the ball down the field. Larry Fitzgerald, he still has it. Michael Floyd is a possession receiver. And then you got three slot guys that can take the tops off your zone. J. J. Nelson, Jerron Brown, and John Brown. You got a nice tight end that you could use in the red zone and Jermaine Gresham and they run the football. Defensively, I thought they were gonna struggle a little bit after losing Ty Bowles because he was such a big piece to what they did defensively, mm-hmm. but they didn't miss a beat. And even after Tyran Matthew went down, who's been their spark plug this year, they didn't miss a beat. They have great secondary, they have a great secondary, great corners, good safeties over the middle. Patrick Peterson is one of the best corners in football. They got athletic linebackers that can clamp down 
attack the gaps, put pressure on the quarterback, and they got a pretty good defensive line as well. I like Arizona in this one. I think Green Bay is going to play better, but I just think Arizona has way too much for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and then, um, you know, Sunday's games, you got the Seahawks and the Panthers. I, I really like the Panthers to win the bowl this year. And um, Cam Newton's playing on another level. I don't think the Seahawks are as good as people made them out to be throughout the season. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, the Legion of Boom is quite as – I don't think that's a never-ending statement. Uh, you know, they put that label on that defense, and the defense has hit a lot of bumps. And, I, I mean, I've seen Richard Sherman get burned quite a, quite a few times this year. And um, I think Cam Newton's going to dissect them. I mean, they went into Seattle and beat them in Seattle. So this is, you know, the Panthers' chance to – you know, show up at home and advance in the playoffs. And I think the Panthers do that. I look at this game now, and it's a good thing that you brought up the first matchup. They gave up 162 yards passing to Cam Newton in a quarter. In a quarter. Not a half. Yeah. A quarter, which scared me then. But now I look at the Seahawks, J-Cat, and this is a different football team. Compared to compared to what we saw back then, whether it was week five or week six, you know, I just think they were really still trying to find their identity, the Seattle Seahawks were. But now, you know, they have an attempt at, at a running game. Russell Wilson is taking games over. Doug Baldwin is a solid receiver on the outside. He and Josh Norman, that's going to be a dogfight. We could almost see something like what happened with Odell Beckham and Josh Norman a few weeks ago. I could see that same thing happening because they're both scrappy guys. But... I look at I look at Seattle and they've gotten the Cam in the past before and they're gonna have to do that again. They can't let Cam take control of the game. They gotta pressure him. They gotta take away Ted Ginn, double Greg Olson in the red zone, force him to get the ball to another receiver, or force him to hand it off to Jonathan Stewart. And you might as well take him away too because he's a liability. He's the guy that could really once he gets going, that offense will start going, get uh, get get it going. Um. I'm taking Seattle in this one. I just think they can go in there really? and they can beat them. Now, I mean, a Seattle team that only put up ten points against the um, against the Vikings. I mean, do you, do you blame that on the cold? Do you think the Vikings are that good on defense? And do you think that the, the Carolina Panthers can't be that good on defense? Well, Carolina is a great defensive team. They have a great. Uh, they have right. a defensive-minded coach. They got playmakers on that side of the ball. Obviously, you know about Luke Keekley, You know about Josh mm-hmm. Norman. But there's a guy that doesn't get enough respect, and he goes by the name of Thomas Davis. The guy is all over the field, tackles. He can get after the quarterback. He can spy, drop back in coverage, pick up a running back in, in the flat, try and stick with a tight end. I know it's difficult, but someone's got to do it pick up those slot receivers. So the guy's been in the league 12 years, and he's really just now getting that recognition uh, now than he was early on in his career. And he's been good for the league. He's a class act. He's the reigning Walter man, uh, Walter Payton man of the year. But mm-hmm. my thing is with Seattle, I just think the cold was what did it because they really couldn't open up their offense. Yeah. All right, yeah. I mean, so we go ahead to the last game of the weekend, and that's the the Steelers and Broncos. Um, you know, the Broncos kind of limped into the playoffs. Um, you know, between having Osweiler out there and then getting Peyton Manning back, and um, you know, he's still, um, I mean, not looking, you know, at full Peyton Manning status. I mean, I, I really don't think that they're quite as solid as quarterback at quarterback as they've been in the past, and um, 
I don't know. I, their defense has a lot, you know, to put out there, but I don't really know that the, at quarterback they're that solid as they've been in the past. I mean, Peyton Manning was throwing, you know, 400-yard games on a regular basis a few years ago, and it's just it's not the same guy. Um, he's tough to count out, but in the same token, he looks pretty bad some games. And, um, I, again, I, the Steelers just scraped through on a, you know, complete meltdown by the Bengals, so I don't really think they're the team of the future either. So this, this to me, is going to kind of be up in the air. How, how do you see this game? Well, I look at the Steelers and Roethlisberger. Is it really a surprise that he's going to go in this one? I mean, the guy <laughs> has torn ligaments in the shoulder, and he's still going to give it a go. These are just games you don't miss. It's the playoffs. You lose, you're out, you win, you advance, you see another week, you move on to see life. But they may not have Antonio Brown because I read that it's not looking good for him with this concussion protocol. Uh, You look at their offense. You know, they're already down Le'Veon Bell. They're down D'Angelo Williams. They're down to the third and fourth string running running backs in uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint and Jordan Todman. But, uh, you know, if that's the case, it's going to take a collective effort to really replace that guy. Martavis Bryant will probably be that number one receiver. Marcus Wheaton will probably be the other. But Antonio Brown is what really makes that offense go, and you've seen it this year. And the Steelers' defense, they're vulnerable across the board, especially in a secondary. You don't have Palomalu. There's no Ryan Clark. There's no Ike Taylor. So they're without those veterans. Denver, it's huge that they got this one seed, man, because – now everybody has to come up to you to play you instead of you having to leave home. And Mile High is a tough place to play. Peyton is back. Right. If Peyton struggles, I don't hesitate to even put Brock Osweiler in because I was impressed by what I saw from Brock Osweiler. I like Denver. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a close game. If Antonio Brown is playing, and I still may change my pick, but right now I'm picking Denver, J.K. All right, all right. Um, so, yeah, um that, that's how the playoffs are looking right now. Um, who do you see going the whole way right now? Right now, coming into the playoffs, my Super Bowl was Seattle and Pittsburgh. I thought we were going to see a rematch from 10 years ago. Seattle coming into the playoffs was hot. They got hot at the right time. I know they have a lot of question marks surrounding them right now. And then the Steelers, I just think with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, they've been on you know, on the same page pretty much all season long, and they've had to carry this offense when Le'Veon Bell went down and D'Angelo Williams stepped in. Unfortunately, he's hurt right now. But, you know, I think it's going to either come down to Seattle and Pittsburgh or Seattle and Denver because I just think Denver now has the defense to really carry them potentially to a championship. I think that was the problem the year they last got to the Super Bowl. They really didn't have playmakers on defense. So help me God, if Seattle goes to the Super Bowl again, I I, I can't take it anymore. It's it's, it's it's not excusable to me because what I got I got the Panthers doing it. Man. Um, you know you they've know, had a great I'm year. Biased. I really like what I've seen from Cam Newton. He's uh he's been great for our league. I mean he's been great for the kids. You just see he just looks like he's having fun on the field, J Cat. Oh yeah. Mhm. So, yeah, um, you know, a lot of different things going on with the coaches. I mean, what's your thoughts on some of this stuff? Um, The Giants, you know, it really looked like um, Tom Coughlin was just – he was wrapping it up. He was making some real questionable decisions out there. The guy's going to be 70 years old. And, you know, he he said, you know, he was resigning. And and 
it really seemed like the resigning from the Giants was going to be followed by a retirement, you know, like, but, you know, what else can he do? He's almost 70 years old. He's 69 years old. And, uh, you know, he's out there telling Eli, it's not you, it's not you, don't blame yourself and all this, you know. And then he goes on the coaching market. Like, I don't really understand that move. He was forced out. That's what it was. He was forced out. The Giants were just looking to go in another direction. He had 12. He was there for 12 years. He won two Super Bowls. It just seemed like every time people were calling for this guy's job and this guy's head to be cut off, the Giants always went on on such a crazy winning streak. I, I, I had never seen anything like it. You know, 2007, they clinch a playoff spot against Buffalo in Week 16. They play the New England Patriots in Week 17. It's a meaningless game. The Giants have everything clinched. The Patriots have everything clinched. 16-0 and was on the line, and they gave New England a run for their money in that game. And I said to myself in that game, if these two teams meet four or five weeks down the road in the Super Bowl, I think the Giants get them. And what do they do? They come out, pull the upset of all upsets, and probably the biggest upset I've seen in my life, you know, watching the game and now being able to analyze it, both the NFL and college football, they win that one. Four years later, 2011, 2012, they go on another run, beat Atlanta in the playoffs. They go to Green Bay, upset the 15-1 and Green Bay Packers at Lambeau, which nobody saw coming. And then that epic NFC title game with the San Francisco 49ers. Sorry, J-Cat. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, and then they beat New England again. So the guy won 102 games in 12 years. I mean, he had a great stint. As a coach, and the one thing that everybody said about Tom Coughlin, current players and former guys who play for him, he turned me more into a man. Right. Do you think there's value at this point, 69 years old, going to be 70, I think, before the season starts, next season starts? Do you think there's value of this guy being a head coach somewhere else? Definitely, because you look at a lot of these teams today, and so many of them just lack discipline. I think he would have been perfect for that situation with the Bengals. But then I kind of look back at it and I say, he had a tough time controlling Odell Beckham in that game against the Panthers when he was going on those tirades and hitting Josh Norman and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, he's had his screw-ups. No coach is perfect, but I think he'd be per- still good to coach. The guy said he has no no intent on retiring anytime soon. The R word didn't even pop up in his uh, farewell press conference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I – the Odell Beckham thing, I think Josh Norman just got in his head and completely broke him. Like, he, he just completely, you know, he, he just he broke him. I mean, he just – he played head games with him, and then he won. He won 100%. Odell didn't know what to do with himself. He melted down. The, the way I look at it, both players were wrong because supposedly Josh Norman had that bat on the field. Someone says shit about me. <laughs> I'd be retaliating too. It'd be a war, but you still got to watch how you handle yourself. You know, in the game, you can't come in gauging guys' eyes out or trying to, hitting people when a play is dead. I mean, that was just bad on Odell Beckham's part. Celebrating when there's still a minute and ten left on the game clock after scoring that touchdown. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, so, um, but uh, then uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackson, uh, he, he just went to the Browns. Uh, he was supposedly uh, one of the big candidates, uh, lead candidates for the Niners job, and then uh, he just he kind of went in the other direction and he went with the Browns. What's your thoughts on that? I was I was shocked, but 
I like Hugh Jackson. I like him a lot. He um he had a good year with the Oakland Raiders. I thought he deserved one more year with them, but they eventually parted ways. He got fired. He developed more as a coordinator. He has the experience. Hopefully, you know, I wish him the best in Cleveland. That's the guy I actually wanted to coach the Giants. I thought he would have been perfect for them. Right. Yeah, I um I I was kind of hoping for him for the for the Niners because you know they were talking about how, you know how good he is offensively and yeah I, I saw the way that they were running the the Bengals you know offensively and they really they did a lot you know as far as an offensive team they they were on point so to really steer us in the right direction is trying to score points I, I was all for him showing up but I think from what they said. The Browns is an organization that we're going to give him a lot more control over the everything, where the Niners didn't really, you know, have that ability to give that control because of their front office being ridiculous. Right, right. That's what I think it all came down to. But um, I, you know, you have any thoughts on who's going to end up being uh, the Niners coach? Um, wow, that's a good question. You know, I could see Coughlin. Out there, how would you feel about that? And then I'll give you the rest of my candidates. Uh, I mean, I'd be—I don't know. I, like I said, the only thing that I really question is a guy being seventy before the season starts. Um, I mean, this is this is a rebuilding project with the Forty ers There's a lot of questions, a lot of questions as far as quarterback, as far as um, you know how the draft's going to turn out. I, I mean, there, there's so many questions. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know who's who's the right guy for that job. And, again, 70 years old, I mean, if he's still got it, he's still got that authority, he's still got the ability to really get out there and, and um, you know, take the pressure that's going to be on his back, then, then I'm all for it. I mean, he's a guy who won two Super Bowls, he's clearly proven, but does he have it in him through the rebuilding process at 70 years old? Yeah, um, you know, he's a candidate. I could see the 49ers interviewing Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator from the Detroit Lions. I know his name has come up in countless amounts of head coaching candidacies for the for the NFL. He, I think he'd be a pretty good coach. Um, you look at who's another one that you could – I mean, at first I was saying Adam Gates. I thought he would have been good, but Miami scooped him up. Right away, mm-hmm. uh, you could look at a guy. Why not an Eric Mangini? You know, he has coaching mm-hmm. experience. Why not? But then again, I don't no, think they're going to want to stay in the house again. No, I don't think so either. And I, I don't know about Mangini being uh, the answer either. Um, again, this is this is a big rebuilding situation. That's why I think Thomasula had no chance, absolutely no chance. First time head coach. And you pretty much have a gutted roster that has to rebuild and find an identity, and he's going to be the guy that's responsible for all of it. I really think he needed a coach with a little bit more stability and confidence in, in what's going on out there, and I didn't like that. Um, I heard the rumors floated with uh, Chip Kelly and this and that, and, you know, obviously no one has confidence in him at all. Um, the one thing that I did like hearing things about him was that, you know, he is very offensively minded and he does know how to do stuff with guys like Cap. So that was like the possible salvation for what Cap's career would be in San Francisco, which seems to be dead, you know, like it, you know, it seems like it's pretty much over between them. But, um, but I don't know. I'm just trying to stay optimistic about whoever they pick up. I don't, I'm not saying I'm dying to get Chip Kelly, but 
he was an option, and um, there was talk about it. They interviewed him. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. They're going to go with a guy with his, with, who doesn't have experience. That's what I think it's going to end up coming to. And right now, I go with Terrell Austin. I, I think he he come in, he brings some energy. You look at that Lions defense the last couple of years, they've been amongst one of the best units in all of football. Him? Why not a guy like a Greg Williams, J-Cat? How would you feel about that? Uh, where's Greg Williams at? Like, let's see. Ah, uh, St. Louis. Or now, Los Angeles with the Rams. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I think really important, and like I said with a couple of those guys, the Chip Kellys, Adam Gates, those guys, we need an offensive-minded coach. Um, our defense, just having Navarro Bowman as our defensive leader, I think is a big, big thing for us where we really don't need a completely defensive-minded coach, and we're still going to kind of come together on defense. We had some flashes this year that we looked really good on defense. There was enough holes on the team that we were able to be exposed and really blown up. But there were some points that we were able to lock things down. Of course, like I said, it had no longevity because we had enough holes that, you know, if you knew what you were doing on offense, you could expose us pretty easy. But with a guy like Navarro Bowman, I mean, he he's a defensive leader. He's he's like having your you know your Patrick Willis or you know your your Ray Lewis. He's like having one of those guys on defense, and that's that's half a defensive coordinator in itself. Um, you know, we're we're pretty solid at safety. So I mean, we got some points on that field to defensively that are pretty tied up. If we get someone who could go out there offensive minded and actually put points on the board, that's something we're really really lacking. I think that's going to steer us in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. I just think they need a guy, you know, with uh, with some with some toughness because I just think the 49ers have lacked that after Jim Harbaugh left, unfortunately. They just didn't look all that great this year in the toughness aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Now, what? Um, we got seventh pick in the draft. Do you have any thoughts on what we might pick up? Um... They need an offensive lineman because I saw times yeah. when Colin Kaepernick was was just running around for his life. Same with Blaine Gabbert. That's what I would go after. Yeah. And this offensive, in this draft, is going to be stacked with a ton of offensive linemen. So I think they're going to go offensive line with their first pick. Yeah, and I think a seventh pick. You know, I'm not a big college guy, but you know, from what I was seeing in mock drafts and stuff, we'll probably have a shot at getting whoever the top offensive lineman is in the draft, right? Definitely. Definitely, and there are quite a few of them. The guy to look after, he may be gone, or he could fall down to you guys. His name is Ryan Kelly from the University of Alabama, who just won a national championship. He's the heart. He was the heart and soul of that Alabama offense. I mean, the guy did everything. He took Jake Coger under his wing, made him better, and just really anchored everything offensively. And you need a guy like that who can come in and just kind of balance things out and lead your offensive line and anchor those other four guys that you're going to war with up front in those trenches. Yeah. Um, is there a guy that who, who you think if they slip down side of an offensive lineman, if they slip down to, to number seven, you jump on them despite us needing an offensive line? Yeah, I, I can see them getting a cornerback because you just look at the playmakers in that division. you got to be able to defend those guys in Arizona. Seattle, they have playmakers at the receiver. So does St. Louis. Why not get a corner? And there's a young man by the name of Jalen Ramsey from Florida. The guy has great instincts. He stays low, always on his feet, excellent footwork, 
good hands. He stays with the wide receiver. He can shut down one side of the field. Uh, good, just a good instinct for the football. Uh, great nose for the ball. He can sense everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. So uh, definitely going to keep that stuff in mind, and we'll definitely be talking, you know, come closer to the draft. And, yeah, I'm sure I'll be talking to you as the playoffs go on. So um, Definitely, yeah, man. man. I mean, hey, thanks for having me on. It's always a blast. Absolutely, man. Anything else you want to put out there? Check out the website, dailyblitz61.com. I'm in the middle of uh, previewing the divisional playoffs. I did the Packers and Cardinals yesterday. This afternoon, I previewed the Chiefs and Patriots. Tomorrow is the big one, Seattle and Carolina. You can catch me on, god damn it, what's the name of that show? You can catch me on the Cheap Seats on SportstownChicago.com every Monday. I am the NFL and college football analyst with Ryan Cole and Jeffrey Wright. SportstownChicago.com every day, every Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can catch me on a sports then with those three idiots, Nick Chef and uh, and the ravishing one, Roy Herman. And you can catch me tomorrow night on Sports Renegades on SportsTownChicago.com. Absolutely, man. So, um, yeah, if you haven't heard enough of Christian, hop over to the sports then. You're probably headed right there now. Yeah, so, um, I am. Yeah, man. So, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Hey, no problem. I'll text you during the games this weekend, man. Absolutely, man. Hit me up. All right, man. All right. I'll talk to you. Yes, sir. There you go. Christian Simpson, man. Always a good guy to talk about, um, you know, football with. I'm going to take a break, come back, talk about a couple of the topics. You know, real, real light on the wrestling this week. I got to tell you guys, I got pretty much no wrestling to talk this week, so, um, you know, hate to let you down, but um, I got a couple topics to talk about. So um, yeah, take this break, come back. That's right. Yeah, just for my mob niggas out here. No, the whole family niggas gang shit. This our shit right here. It's our new anthem, man. Yeah. Yo, niggas. Hey, where? Man, I doubt I see them all, then I just don't care. My niggas dropping dead all around me, yo. I stopped going to them wakes a few bodies ago. My man came home and just like that, they hit him again with murder. He never coming back. Turn on my TV just for more bad news. Little shorty got him a gun. Shout out to school. Can't even breathe cause the air's so polluted. Gotta wrap myself in the sheets of cousin and roses. The HIV, the AIDS. The only safe sex is to not have sex. You be sniffing, smoking, or drinking that shit. Or popping them peas, or shooting up IV. The modern day slave trade, they blew up the world trade. Like out with the old and with the new world wave. M O B B D E E P, man. We got guns that could take your head. Pop, 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 pop. Get serious, done. Niggas front, make me have the body sound. Get serious, done. Niggas front, make me have the body sound. Real guys, Get serious, done. Niggas front, make me have the body sound. Crazy, man. Get serious, done. Niggas front, make me have the body sound. Hey, yo. 
New York, New York, the Empire State. I live hell, nigga, this the belly of the beast. I step foot out the crib, no shit. Gotta bring that hammer, cause the drama don't switch. Everybody wanna be king, they ain't fit. The cops disrespect they team, cause they ain't shit. They got good talk, but that's about as far as it go. When it's time for that murder, they don't show. When it's time for that fighting, niggas is ghosts. All you hear is straight crickets, niggas is bitches. I learned you niggas how to handle your business. I swear to everything I love and cause my witness. Bring that shit. I'll show you how to work them millimeters. Bet my heater smoke like reaper. All I want to do is get my money and re-up. Taking steps towards sovereignty for my freedom. Not trying to get caught up in global court. Fucked up trying to fight the case by global laws. Out in the Netherlands. I got a better plan. I murder the powers and let Chuck fight. What? O B B D E E P man, we got guns that could take your head. Pop 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 pop, pop. get a serious done. Niggas front make me have the body shot. Get a serious done. Niggas front make me have the body shot. Real guns, get a serious done. Niggas front make me have the body shot. Niggas crazy in the world, man. Get a serious done. Niggas front make me have the body shot. I cannot fucking stand motherfuckers who go on Facebook, and there's a lot of people who do this shit because they have no life because they're pathetic fucking losers who don't belong on this planet. Um, And, you know, make no mistake about it. Not everybody that's walking around on this fucking planet is worth shit. Um, That whole, you know, thought of everybody's valuable, everybody's life is bullshit, man. You'll go find the dumbest motherfucker you know and know that that fucking that person's kids ain't going to be shit neither. You know what I mean? You're going to find a lot of people out there who, who are completely, um, you know, terrible people or just not smart or just you know, just really not put together as someone who's going to contribute anything to society. Now, think about that person having, like, two, three fucking kids. You know what I mean? Imagine how the fuck they're going to come out. You know, you don't just make fucking miracles out of bullshit. You know what I mean? You just don't do it. So, anyway, these fucking people go on Facebook, and they ain't got shit to do with their fucking life. Now, their their whole agenda is I have a bunch of people who I'm friends with on Facebook. Now, if someone who they're friends with comments on one of their posts, I'm going to start an argument with this fucking random stranger because what the fuck else am I going to do with my day? You know what I mean? I got nobody to fucking talk to, so I'm just going to fucking find out if my, you know, quote-unquote Facebook friend, if that person's got another Facebook friend that I can maybe argue with, like, like they give a fuck about my opinion, right? So... And I know, you know, it's a public forum type thing. So, like, hey, man, it's not like you're only talking to the one person. It's kind of up for debate. But it's also up for me to not give a fuck about you, you know what I mean, if you decide to chime in. So here's the situation. This is only an example because this shit happens all the time. This is why I'm saying in general I hate those motherfuckers. So now this fucking uh, uh, Christian Haim, he's a guy he's wrestled a lot, um, you know, deep south, he wrestled a lunch down there, he wrestled some eating stuff, 
Um, you know, he's been around a long time. Well, he's, you know, I'm Facebook friends with him. He is one of those Iron Man motherfuckers, man. This dude could ride a fucking bike across country, jump off that shit, run for a while, jump in a canoe, fucking paddle that shit across the ocean and back and fucking, I mean, he's a top-notch athlete like that, you know what I mean? So, you know, I like seeing Christian's posts and, you know, we're always commenting on each other's races and, you know, what's going on with that. And, you know, I, I respect Christian. So, you know, he does the bike riding and shit. And, you know, it's one of those things that, if you see, like, you know, you're you're driving to fucking work, you, you know, you're out there, you're going to work, and there's, like, a whole pack of those bike riding motherfuckers, and they're in the middle of the road like they're a car. Now, they're not going fast, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not going, like, car speed, but you can't get the fuck around them. Like, a lot of times, what it is is, is like, there's... They're on the road. The road doesn't have a shoulder. And the fucking lines in the middle are double solid. You know what I mean? So you you shouldn't pass them. By law, you shouldn't pass them. Because, I mean, you're going into, you know, across lines. You shouldn't be going across. And then they're in the fucking road. So, I mean, what the fuck are you supposed to do? You're supposed to just travel the speed of a fucking uh, a 10-speed bike all the way to fuck where you're going, work, or wherever the fuck else. I mean, there's a time clock that doesn't really agree with the fact that there's a pack of assholes with fluorescent shit on riding up the motherfucking road, you know what I mean? So a lot of times that shit doesn't work out so well. So, you know, Christian, being a bike riding dude, he he posted something along the lines of, like, um, you know, I hate when people say, like, you know, keep it on the sidewalk because if you're seriously training, that shit could be pretty fucking dangerous. So, you know, I kind of just responded like, hey, man, like, well, you know, um, there should be some, you know, um, there, what did I say? I said something like, um, there should be a little bit of, uh, like caution or, or there should be, um, a little bit of concern if, you know, a bike's doing 25 on a fucking road and the fucking signs say 55 and, you know, people, people got places to go and shit like this. And, you know, this this big fucking pumpkin-headed motherfucker comes and, and he responds. You know, some other dude, some other dude just starts responding, well, is it worth, you know, uh, is it worth murdering a person on the road, man? Like, you know, like all of a sudden he's got me running motherfuckers down on the road. He, you know what I mean? he He's pinning me as like, I'm like, fuck these bikers. Run them, run them down dead in the fucking road because I gotta go somewhere. Like nobody said like that was an option. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty sure everybody on the motherfucking on the web knows it's not an option. That like I don't like what they're doing, so therefore I'm a flatten these motherfuckers on the way to work. You know what I mean? I'm gonna bumps out of every one of these fluorescent bitches on the way to where I gotta go. I- I'm pretty sure I know that's not a fucking. You know what I mean? That's not an option, but. This fucking big pumpkin-headed motherfucker that doesn't look like he's ridden a fucking stationary bike any time recently. This fucking guy's going to chime in and tell me, and this, right? So, of course, now I'm just like, yo, fuck this guy. So I post, like, the the one picture I got, the, the bird is, like, kind of like a crane. He's got his head turned sideways, like, you know? So I post that shit, and he's like, oh. So now he's, he's quoting back what I said the first time. Um in order to explain to me what he's saying, which I don't give a fuck what he's saying. So that that's the part where he's not understanding. Like, I don't give a motherfuck what he's saying, right? So then um, 
so then this other broad shows up. Now she's she's got some shit to say, and she says some shit like, "Oh, um, something about what the fuck." She said some more shit like, some more shit like you know murder, you know something about murdering people on the street. Oh, oh, she said, um, "Well, if a car was going twenty five miles an hour." What would you do? You would do the same thing if the bike was going, like, fuck you, you know what I mean? Again, like, I don't, I don't really need your, I'm not here for a fucking lesson in fucking common sense from you fucking retards. So, I, I, you know, I read this shit, and then I'm just like, fuck this bitch. So I go and I, I Google an image of, like, a, a bike that got hit by a fucking truck, right? So then I post, I post that shit on there. This bike just mangled in the street with a bunch of cops looking down at it and shit, like, oh, fuck. So, so she's like, oh, fucking yeah, that happens, yeah. So, and then like, takes her about an hour, and then she's like, oh, since since you like pictures, she posts this article of some dude that somebody on a bike, and it's like, you know, man found guilty of manslaughter with da 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 da, and it's got like his mug shot and shit. So I post a picture that that the little baby that's that's laughing hysterically. <laughs> so you know what I mean, and then you get the like, oh, real classy. You don't care about people dying in the street and their families and this. And it's like, no, I don't give a fuck about any of your opinions. That that's where we're going here. It's like you could post whatever the fuck you want, just like that shit where it's like, um, oh well, um, you know, don't scroll past this picture without typing amen or. If you don't like babies, then keep scrolling. Otherwise, like and share. Fuck you. I don't have to do some shit on the fucking Facebook because you fucking said so. Like, all of a sudden, you're going to type a comment. I'm going to go, you're right. I have such compassion for your pick. Oh, fuck yourself. I'm so tired of these motherfuckers. The Internet, like, to be really good for some information, but it's really bad for letting dickheads in your life. Like, 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 they get... They get like a little passage in to tell you what the fuck they feel. And I don't give a fuck what they feel. So, you know, it, it, it's fun to a certain extent because I just go, I just went into fucking full troll mode. Like, fuck it. She's going to post pictures about somebody getting killed. I'm going to post a laughing baby. That's what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? It just, it's like, what the fuck, man? It, it just, people like this, I, I don't really understand how their life works. I don't really, I don't value like, them in, as part of the society. There's people that just get the fuck in the way, you know? Like, there's just people that just get in the way of of normal shit going on. You know, they're just distractions, obstacles in fucking life. And as an obstacle racer, I can manage this. This is this is something that I, I feel is, is part of the journey here is I got to I gotta manage the obstacles on the course when I race, and I got to manage the obstacles that are the dickheads in life that I just got to fucking weave in and out. Speaking of dickheads in life, in gym with these resolution motherfuckers. Um, I go in there the other day, and it is fucking jamming, man. I'm doing, I got chest day lined up, and first thing on my fucking list is um, incline bench press. Now, in the retro gym, there is one station for incline bench press, because, you know, it's got the bench with the hooks for the the bar, and, and it's set at incline. Now, you know, of course, it'd be nice if they had more than one, but they don't in this joint. So that's it, right? Now, there's a bunch of inclined benches that you could put up or down, and you could wheel those motherfuckers all over. You could fucking 
you could pick up the one end, you know, so it wheels around and take that shit out to your fucking car and do some shit out there. Now, they don't allow that. I'm just saying if if you wanted to, you could move that shit all all over the fucking place. Now, you could do... You could do shoulder presses with that shit. You could make it a flat bench. You could do flat bench shit with the, with the dumbbells. You can do fucking, clearly you could do incline chest presses with the fucking dumbbells. So, what do you think's going on on this one and only bench that holds the fucking bar for, for bench press? Some fat asshole and some skinny little stupid cunt. Are doing fucking chest presses, these twisty chest presses where they, she takes the fucking twenty pounds and and fucking spins her arm all the way around and does like the the chest presses like that, like these these little aerobic fucking chest press things with her little twenty pound weight, and like I I'm like fuck man because the the bar isn't even on there anymore. I don't know if they threw that shit in the garbage because they don't use bars on the fucking the incline bench press station. Like, they just decided it's not for that. So the bar wasn't even there. So I had to pull it off the decline thing. And it looked like there was no one there. Until I got closer and realized that this fucking fat asshole's phone is on the floor and, and, the, and the water. And I guess he was, you know, they were taking their, their little fucking rest period in between sets like 10 feet away. So then when I get closer, you know, he, he walks over with this dumb look on his face. I'm like, are you using this? He goes, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck, man? So now I walk away, see what the fuck they're doing. And and, and again, here they go with these little bullshit light-ass fucking weights doing these twisty fucking chest presses on the incline. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? There's four or five different benches you can do that same shit on. There's one thing that I need to do that I can only do there. And you, you're fucking, yeah, I mean... Shit just got on my motherfucking nerves. And, and this is what goes on, you know, when you get these motherfuckers who aren't there the rest of the year, this is the shit that goes on. So, you know, I, I posted my complaint on Facebook, you know, while I walked around and fucking cursed the ceiling. And, and um, you know, I went upstairs and did some other shit. And then I came back and, you know, they were they had wrapped it up. They were gone. But um, it, it's just fucking irritating, man. So fucking irritating. Um. But yeah, I've been I've been steady on the fucking training. I'm doing real real well there that way. I've been up on the running too, man. I put in another five miles uh, last week. Um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely um, getting in this run, man. And um, you know, I, do, I keep chipping away at this and I keep run training. Uh, I'm gonna be in fantastic shape for these fucking races in a couple of months. Um, you know, a big big thing that um you know, transpired in this past week is um, passing a David Bowie. Now, look, I'm not the biggest David Bowie fan in the world. I'm not going to pretend like, uh, you know, I was a super fan. This was my motherfucking guy, you know, from day one. That's not the case. But the thing is, is David Bowie, and and I like some of his songs for sure, but David Bowie was one of those icons, absolute icons. You know, the guy's you put up there as just like an untouchable figure. And to me, a lot of times, and it might be selfishly so, but a lot of times when these figures pass to me, it's, it's so surreal. It it hits you in a different way. It hits me in a different way where really, you know, it snaps so much into focus. Now, I mean, a lot of times that happens with people, you know, when you lose a loved one, you lose someone that's close to you that just becomes such a part of your life that, you just, you couldn't picture life without them. You couldn't picture 
you know, a day-to-day going on without that person in your life, without that person continuing to exist. And it's just part of what you do, part of your routine, part of your universe is, is this person existing. You know what I mean? So when I see people like, like a David Bowie pass, it's it's real fucking crazy to me because, you know, those icons, when you grow up and you got your Michael Jacksons and your David Bowies and your Robin Williams and, your, I mean, look at the, the Whitney Houstons. And these people, you know, are just untouchable, you know, top of the fucking mountain icons. And you couldn't imagine that they would just be up and, you know, up and gone. I don't know what the up and gone was ever um, – I don't know where that ever came from, up and gone. But um, anyway, um, you know, it, it's just strange. And it, it's real surreal because obviously everybody's, un, you know, nobody's untouchable. But, you know, they spend so much time as an untouchable, quote-unquote, untouchable type figure. Um, they're a person who you can never really, like, exist in their world. They're on this another, you know, other plateau. They have the money to do anything that they want in life. And and just they're revered by so many people. Millions upon millions of people know that these people exist and, and celebrate these people. You could pack tens of twenty, a hundred thousand, you know, seat venues with those just to see that person. And when it all comes down to it, that person can't keep themselves on this planet any better than we can. You know they have the money to afford anything that that they can um you know anything to keep them going anything medically any you know medical treatment and medication any anything like that and it doesn't matter in the long run it, it, we're all just fucking very touchable you know what I mean there is no untouchable and um, it's just surreal to me you know when these people are just removed. And then she's like, bam, gone. That's it. You know, and this dude, you know, had cancer, and he, he struggled for quite some time with it. Um, over a year he's been battling with it. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, things happen, and obviously could happen to anybody. But to me it's just it's real surreal. There's a lot of people that go on, again, with the fucking Internet, go on the Internet, no, you're and, you know, if you didn't say anything about him while he was alive, you know, you know stop trying to be a big fan when he's dying. You know, and, and the thing – um. The thing, you know, sticks out with me with Bowie, too, is, like, you know, obviously he's an icon in some of the songs here, but, you know, as a huge, huge, um, and, and, you know, wasn't his crowning accomplishment, but as a huge Jim Hansen fan, the first things that were ringing through my mind is the song from Labyrinth. You know, the next day was, um, you know, was the song from Labyrinth, and, you know, thinking about all of that, because Jim Henson, you know, is, um, is a huge thing to me, you know, the Muppets, a huge thing to me, I got the animal tattoo on my arm, you know, it's, it's such a big part of my childhood, and that, that whole, um, you know, monster puppets, the Muppets, um, you know, really just fascinates me, um, you're going off of that, I'll segue into the other thing, tomorrow I should be able to be, as long as they send me the goddamn invoice, um, I'm ordering a puppet, now, I, with me, shit's so, um, I mean, it's it's predictable to a certain extent to me, but if you don't know me to the fullest extent, I, I'm full of surprises. You know, people will be like, oh, you know, you do this, you do this. Oh, shit, you grow peppers. Oh, shit, you do you, you races. Uh, you know, you learn a lot about me as you go, and, you, you know, you, I kind of come out of left field with some of this shit. 
But I always do things to the fullest extent. So when I get into something, you know I'm I'm fucking serious about something. So um, puppets, like I said, I had so much of the Jim Henson thing as part of my childhood, and it always fascinated me, the puppets. It never dawned on me to try to get, like, a puppet, you know, a professional puppet. It never would even, like, cross my mind that that was a possibility for you to own one of your own fucking things. Um, I got my daughters a couple puppets for Christmas, and, you know, just playing games with them and, and playing with it, and it's just, it's so interactive and imaginative, and um, it kind of sparked my interest, and I said, you know, their puppets are, you know, cheaper puppets, but, they're you know, they're cool-looking little puppets, and uh, it, it just sparked my interest to say, hey, you know what, I want my own fucking puppet, and I want a real deal puppet. I want I want some shit that looks like a motherfucking Muppet. Now, obviously, I'm not going to get something that looks like one of the Muppet characters because, you know, I want my own unique type of puppet. So I found um, a site that, that builds puppets and shit, and I'm, I'm going to spend a couple hundred on it, and it, it's off the fucking chain. This, this guy that I'm getting is off the fucking chain. Um, I'm going to be posting all sorts of fucking videos of him talking shit about DJ Hyde and everything else <laughs> that I feel like doing with him um, online. But, um, you know, once I get him... I'm going to have plenty of fun with this guy. He's fucking awesome looking, and um, I, I can't wait to get him. But, uh, you know, he blinks and all, the whole nine. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. that. That's like a new fucking thing. I'm like a kid right now, just just dying to fucking order and get this puppet, man. He, he's custom, so I'm waiting for their invoice. So, you know, I get the specifics of my custom and all of that, but um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'll definitely keep everybody updated on that. You'll see plenty of this motherfucker once uh, once I get him, because uh, I'm gonna have a lot of fun with that shit. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Um, what the fuck else? Um, no, I, I think that's about it. Um, next week, God fucking help me if this this fucking Seattle Seahawks. If they beat the fucking the Panthers, man, God help me. Next week, my guest will be Kimberly. Okay, and I've already got this. We'll talk about my Hawks going to the bowl again. Nonsense out of her. So if they beat the Panthers, who to me are my favorites to go through and win the fucking Super Bowl. This is this is going. I mean, it's going to be a topic one way or another. I would like to be the topic where the Seahawks are sitting at home. Yeah, you know I mean, listening to fucking podcasts and shit like this. But uh, we're gonna have to see. But anyway, I have a really good interview lined up for Kimberly. Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, it's been it's been a while since she's been on, and um, she's done a lot since then. She's the current Chikara Grand Champion. Um, you know, so, so much to cover with her. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and um, I, I look forward to it. It should be a um, very good interview. So um, I, I look forward to that and, um, you know, hope everybody enjoys it when I get it done. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, check out the Sports Den, as I said earlier. Um, you know, uh, my dude Christian went over there to the Sports Den with uh, Doob and uh, – with with uh, Paul Doobie and um, and Nick and uh, you know and Roy and the whole nine, they they cover all the fucking sports, not just the uh, the football like I've been doing, you know. And I'm little by little, I'm getting a little bit more into the basketball, but 
I've just had a really hard time over the past couple of years getting fully into it. Um, I don't know, man. I'm a Heat fan and shit. Uh, you know, I definitely pick it up. I generally like to pick basketball up more towards the playoffs. It's just the entire season almost doesn't fucking matter. If you could somehow smash it all together and, and you know, um, condense it, then to me it would be more meaningful. But the, the older I get, the more I, I only watch fucking playoff basketball for the most part because uh, it's just, you know, the fucking Knicks will beat the Heat in the fucking in in the season and then not make the playoffs, and the Knicks will have some shit to talk. But it's like when the fucking playoffs come, does it matter if you beat us there in the season? Not at all. It just doesn't. So I don't know. But um, check out the sports then. They they talking all types of shit over there. Check out my dude um Andrew Carlock at uh General Jackassery. I think is the name of his show now. And um. So check that out. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, like I said, I'm going to get into uh, some other stuff next week. I think the week after next is um, the Royal Rumble. So, uh, you know, we'll have that going in. Hopefully I'll watch some wrestling between now and next week. So I'll have that to talk about as well. Definitely more playoff talk. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll have that fucking puppet or replaced by then. I'd imagine I would. Uh, and I'll be impatiently waiting for this puppet. Um, yeah, the uh, the Powerball happened tonight or is happening soon or something like that. People are bugging out about the, you know, billion and a half dollars. It's fucking incredible. Uh, ton, tons of fucking money, man. I, I uh, you know, everybody has their fantasies, so clearly I have mine. Um, you know, they are just that fantasies because, uh, you know, nobody I know is going to win the fucking Powerball, but, uh, Got to play to win, so, you know, play a couple tickets, whatever. Um, I'm more excited about the W-2s, though, you know, because that's, that's a guaranteed money where I'm going to get the, you know, a little bit to just be comfortable with at least, so I'm not week-to-week paycheck. For at least half the year, that, that helps me out there. So, um, so yeah, that that's about it. Enough of my rambling. I'll talk to you motherfuckers next week. Peace. What a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So... What I make you good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. Say good night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools.